Good morning. Mike works. My name is Jacob, and I'm thrilled to be here. Our reading for the morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And this can be found on page 93 of your Pew Bibles. And since you are looking to call an associate pastor of Christian formation, it seems appropriate to remind you that this would be the second 93 in your Pew Bible, right? (laughs) The New Testament, Gospel of John. We can do this. Here now for the word of the Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn it knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, And revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh here on all of us. Amen. In Joyce Lane Kennedy's classic text, Interviewing for Dummies, third new and revised edition. I promise you, it does not encourage any potential pastoral candidate to be in a wedding the day before their interview. (laughs) Leave the wedding reception north of New York City around midnight. Drive the glorious I-95 corridor and check into my Sherlington Hotel around 5 a.m., Ask for a wake-up call at 6.15 so I could get to my Sunday morning pre-worship interviews by around 8. And yet, that is exactly what I did the first time I had the glorious opportunity to meet the majority of your staff here at Westminster Church. That morning, after a long night and a solid 75 minutes of sleep, I met Ben, Patrick, Whitney. I spent more time overall with Patty than I had spent asleep the previous night. 
and had, I am sure, the opportunity to make just a stunning first impression on all of your staff. I assure you, they certainly made them on me. No matter what happens at this vote after the service today, Saints of Westminster Church, your staff here is faithful, is forward-thinking, is professional, and is kind. You should all feel incredibly good about that. But first impressions are tricky things, aren't they? It's no shock to you all that I'm making one of my first impressions to you all this morning. But let's not forget that you're all making those first impressions on me, either. And if that doesn't make us uncomfortable enough, the vivid mind of Franz Kafka gives us this, first impressions are always unreliable. Kind of only muddies the waters. Take, for example, a former colleague of mine, Presbyterian clergy, and let's refer to him as Sam. Now, Sam had shown up to the office early Tuesday morning, the week he was about to begin serving a new church. He was dressed in very comfortable attire, red flannel shirt, white New Balance tennis shoes, and acid-washed jeans with a lot of pleats. It was early, and he was the only person in the office. And as he went to print his sermon draft manuscript, something happened and it got stuck in the printer. Feeling relatively handy, he got down on his hands and his knees, and he started to look at the machine when the only recently hired church administrator arrived. And let's call her, for the sake of this story, Wanda. Now, since Sam was down on his hands and knees trying to figure out what was going on with the printer, Wanda had the opportunity to meet Sam via the white New Balance shoes and the heavily pleated jeans. And Wanda started to tell him how terrible this machine was, how it always got jammed. And if the church wasn't so stingy, they would just get a brand, a new one. Wanda, a go-getter, again gets down on her hands and knees to show Sam just how shoddy this machine really is. And only then, when they're both elbow deep in toner, does Wanda realize this is not the printer copy machine repairman. (laughs) This is the new church head of staff. Neither Sam nor Wanda made the first impressions that they were hoping to make that morning. But luckily for them, Kafka was right. And now a decade later, they are both serving faithfully at church. Here in our gospel reading for the morning, we have a lovely first impression story. Today, we have the very first miracle experience that Jesus performs, according to the gospel of John. Now remember, John is no synoptic. There's no birth story like in Matthew or Luke. There's a different sort of life narrative. And we read in this theological discourse that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And from that moment, we experience how the living Word acts, teaches, lives, heals, and forgives in the world. This is our first impression of the living word 
And this is Jesus' first pastoral action. Now, there are many ways for anyone to analyze or to exegete today's biblical passage. However, as I said earlier, you're all looking for an associate pastor of Christian formation. And so it seems appropriate to view this text through that lens. Additionally, I'd love to sermonically stress the point that according to John, the very first miracle story of Jesus' life is one that exemplifies faith formation. Let's take a look. First, faith formation is a family activity. Now, this is the adult Jesus at a wedding, and he is being taught by who? His mom. Exactly. There's even a little sass, a little back talk there, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Jesus may be the Messiah, but Mary is still mom. (laughs) There's no inner dialogue to see how Jesus feels right now, and there's no stage directions, but the way that I imagine this happened is that Mary gives Jesus the eye. How many of us are moms? Yeah, you know the eye. How many of us have ever had a mom? Or have had a mother-like figure? Yeah, you've received the eye. You've gotten that. Absolutely. Jesus hesitates, but Mary insists, and the party continues. Mary has been raising up her child in the way that he should go, with the hope that when he is older, Jesus will not depart from that path. So it should be with us. The more that we can weave our faith lives into the lives of our families, our children, our parents, our grandparents, the better off we all are. And I probably shouldn't say this in a candidating sermon, but how many of us know people who have children, but they say they don't really want to take their kids to church or to temple or to synagogue because when their children get older... They want them to have the freedom to choose their own faith. There's a lot of that where I'm from. I'm from New York City. There's a lot of that. Well, I can tell you all that according to the Gospel of John, that is not the parenting advice that we receive. Faith formation is a family activity. Secondly, faith formation is a communal activity. And to quote a much more famous Bolton, Disney star Troy Bolton, of high school musical fame, we are all in this together. And that should not surprise any of us because we are indeed reformers. Faith formation happens together. And today's example happens at an event that's so public, it's at a wedding. Now, as an aside, this also points to the fact that Christian formation in a community should and can be fun. This wedding that Jesus attends reads like a really good time. We enter the story when the wine has already run out. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Think of all the weddings that you have attended in your lives. Not all, but most of them have been fun. Not all. But most have been very fun. The wedding that I attended the night slash morning before my interview here with your staff was a great time. It was on the Long Island Sound, so there was a beautiful view of the water. There was dancing. There were toasts. There were marvelous conversations. There was tons of dessert. Three chocolate fountains. 
One is enough, but three. There were prayers said for one another. Prayers for the people who had died and weren't able to make it to the wedding. Prayers of hope and promise and love for the future of this newlywed couple. Now, according to Maria Harris, who was one of my favorite religious educators, the community is taught best by the way that the message of hope is lived. And as good Presbyterians, friends, we live out our communal life of faith together. Now, speaking of communal, this event, this water into wine event, also foreshadows communion, the Last Supper. John's wine reference here infers, as a little foreshadowing, that this wine is symbolically similar to communion wine, or maybe even to the grape, vine, and branches that are discussed later in this Gospel of John. So this wine that John, or excuse me, this wine that Jesus brings about actually brings us to a second point. Not only does faith formation happen in community, but also it happens to be particularly enriched through active sacramental participation. There's a worship component. And now one other point. Faith formation happens throughout one's life. It's a lifelong endeavor. According to tradition, we encounter Jesus here at around age 30-ish. And he is still being taught, still learning, still being formed by both his mother and his surroundings. We know that even though we do hear those unique stories in the gospel of Jesus healing youngsters, and of course the classic line, let the little children come to me, most of the stories we read about during Jesus' life involve Jesus teaching adults. Now the church, and I'm talking big C church now, not Westminster, but the church has really gotten away from that point. There's a saying among some of our CE folk, that's Christian educator folk, there's a saying amongst some of us CE folk that according to the Bible, Jesus blessed the children and taught the adults. But in most churches today, we get it backwards. We teach the children and we bless the adults. Now, oversimplified commentary on church programming, yes, which does not take into consideration the educational components and elements of worship. However, the point does, in fact, still remain. According to this passage today, faith formation is a family activity, a communal activity, an activity made all that more fruitful through participation in the sacraments, worship, and of course, faith formation is a lifelong endeavor, which is exactly what living a life of faith as a covenantal people, as a resurrection people, is supposed to be, isn't it? Living life as a people called beloved by our Creator God, one of relationships, one of support, one of compassion and charity. Now, none of us can turn water into wine when the party runs dry, but we too can see the plethora of issues that need to be addressed in our communities. 
whether they're here on Cameron Mills Road or elsewhere out in the world. And not only can we see those issues, but we all have been taught, have been empowered, and hopefully we have been formed as a people to act on those issues out of a loving concern for mercy, a loving concern for all of God's children, a loving concern for all of creation. Remember, each and every one of you, the people that helped form your faith. Your pastors, your Sunday school teachers, your mentors, your professors and teachers. That's the type of person that they want you to be. That's the type of faith that they want you all to live. This active, communal, fun, sacramental, loving, lifelong faith is the spirit that binds together the people that Christ prays will yet come to be. In today's passage, Jesus is a little slow to act. So slow, in fact, that he needs to be prodded by a higher power, his mother. Now, whether it's because he's having too much fun at the wedding or because there's some sort of spiritual calendar he's following that we don't know, I'm not sure. But the good news, friends, is this, is we see Jesus learning. We see Jesus' faith being formed as he realizes that, yes, it is, in fact, his time. And so, too, today, may we all claim that it is ours. Learning, forming our lives from the clay of creation and the breath of God is one thing. But learning from the example of others, that's entirely another. Yes, it was Jesus' time. And yes, Westminster, it is your time as well. Now, I met a handful of you yesterday at the meet and greets. And I have to say it was an absolute honor to spend that time with you. And I look forward to the opportunity, hopefully, to do that further. And the question that I kept being asked was, what made you think of coming to Westminster? What about this place? Why did you apply? Now, I have to tell you all a secret. I didn't apply. Your associate pastor nominating committee reached out to me and asked if I wanted to talk. And I said, sure. And we both did that. And we listened to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Here you are, and here I am. Truth be told, the thing that kept me so interested in Westminster Presbyterian Church and this position was the impression that your APNC made on me. Not just that first impression, but every impression that they have been making since. They embodied hospitality, completely understanding when I raised how my pastoral sense of call includes the well-being of my family. I can assure you not every church is down with that. The APNC was actually interested when I shared what my dissertation topic was. They share an excitement for the future of this place. The possibilities of what Christian formation can look like 
and an excitement and a theological imagination that can make those dreams come to fruition. They were my first impression of Westminster Presbyterian Church. And if the rest of you are half as joy-filled, compassionate, and loving as they are, then I am in for a real treat. Amen. Amen.